Now we take the time to focus our attention on God's Word. Our first lesson from the Old Testament, from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the desert prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. May the Lord and the power of his comforting promises be with us today. You know, of all the things that God promises us through Jesus Christ, who came, who comes again this Advent season and Christmas season, and who promises to come again, is that promise of comfort. A few years ago, I asked a retired pastor if he had to relive his ministry, if he was able to do that, what, what would he change? What would be different? And he said, the one thing he said I would change is that I, that I would focus more on comforting God's people with the good news of Jesus. Well, there's a lot of comfort that is needed right now. It seems like we need an extra dose as we continue to face the challenges of life on this side of heaven. And, uh, you know, when the COVID, COVID pandemic started back in March, many of us just knew a few people who might have been infected. And now it seems like we all know people. And many of us have people in our families that have experienced uh, the COVID pandemic. Businesses are closed, people are losing their jobs, marriages are strained, uh, parents are scrambling to deal with childcare and remote learning, and in the midst of it all, we need God's comfort. Comfort is what God promises to us this Advent as we prepare for Christ again to come to us, knowing that God has made good on that promise that He is going to take care of us through Christ as our Savior. There are few words in the Bible 
that offer more comfort than our Old Testament lesson for today from Isaiah chapter 40. And in this lesson, we know that Isaiah the prophet is speaking to a defeated and a discouraged people. They are isolated. Uh, their golden years with Kings David and Solomon with the United Kingdom are, are long past. The northern kingdom has already been attacked and defeated by the Assyrians. And now the people of Judah, where he ministers to, uh, they're scared because they know that they're probably going to be the next ones to be wiped out. And so the Lord calls Isaiah not only to warn the people to be faithful to God and to follow him, but he also tells them to comfort them. Listen to our text. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. Speaking of comfort, I enjoyed reading the story of a retired pastor. Uh, as he recalls what happened in his childhood, probably he heard this from his parents more than recalling it because he was only three years old. And he had just figured out potty training. And so he ran upstairs to the bathroom and he closed the door and he locked it. And there for the next few minutes, the boy was very self-sufficient. But then it was time to leave. And to his horror, he discovered that with all of his three-year-old strength, he could not unlock the door. So he starts screaming. He's panicking. His parents hear him. Likely the neighbors hear him. And through these de desperate cries for help, he recalls thinking to himself, I might have to spend the rest of my life in the bathroom. <laughs> Mom calls out, are you okay? Did you fall? Did you hit your head? I can't unlock the door. Get me out of here, the boy cried. Well, in this older home, the parents had no way of unlocking the door through the hallway, but at that very moment, the boy's dad ran to the, the garage. He hauled out the extension ladder to the outside, and with adult strength, uh, he, he climbed up the ladder, he, he pushed open the window, he climbed through, he pried it open, and he slithered into the, the bathroom, walked past the, the boy, and unlocked the door. Thanks, Dad, he said, and then he ran out to play outside. Well, you know, so many people today feel like they're in a tight place. We kind of feel locked up in some ways. We do all that we can to free ourselves, but we can't. And that's when we pray. God help me. And sure enough, God shows up. He hears our cry. Get me out of here, we say. I want to play. And the Lord unlocks the door to so many blessings here on this earth, doesn't he? And yet there are times... When God unlocks the door for us, but there are other times when the Lord chooses to keep us in that room. It doesn't quite work the way we want. We face adversity and we cry out for God to come to do what we want, and sometimes nothing seems to happen. Sometimes it seems like God leaves us in the bathroom for a while so we can examine ourselves, so that we can repent, so that we can see our need for God to help us. And then it's almost like God climbs through the window into the bathroom with us. And, in, and instead of unlocking the door, sometimes God chooses to sit right down on the bathroom floor with us to comfort us. He seems to think that being in the room with us matters more than letting us just go out and do our own thing. While we think the way to blessing is to get what we want, to get out of the lockdown so that we can go and play, God has a better plan. 
He sits down with us and he assures us of his everlasting comfort. And this is, in fact, is the message that we see in God's word. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And what, what happens when God sits down to comfort his people? Look at the message that he gives Isaiah. Speak tenderly, he says, to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. You know, for the, for the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the prophet is called to warn God's people to the discipline that they would face as a result of their failure to trust in and to obey the Lord. But he says now that part's over. God's deepest intention toward his people is love and grace and mercy and yes, comfort. If God's focus was purely on our sins and the punishment for that sin, our future would be bleak. And yet here again, we see that God is a God of grace. God overrules stupidity and failure and disobedience and sin with his own promise of comfort. One commentator I read said, we see here in God, not a frown, but a smile, not distance, but nearness. He identifies with us. He calls us my people. In fact, just two chapters later in Isaiah 43, the prophet, the Lord says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you belong to me. As part of God's comforting promise here in our text, Isaiah hears a voice in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. In our gospel lesson appointed for today, this is what exactly what John the Baptist says, reminding God's people to make a place, get a place ready in your heart for Jesus. And then in verse five, God's comfort is promised. He says, and when you make room for Jesus, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Well, when was the glory of the Lord most revealed? It was revealed when the word became flesh. When Jesus came to be one of us and humbled himself to be born in Bethlehem. The glory of God is God's comforting presence coming to rescue his people. In fact, when Jesus was born, the angel appeared to the shepherds. And we are told that while they were terrified, it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. The Lord was with them. And then with that angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared singing glory to God in the highest. God's glory is a big deal. Because the glory of God is God himself becoming visible and personal for us. The glory of God is our comfort, knowing that Jesus Christ not only came as true God and true man, but then he would go on to a cross where he would take care of our greatest need. And he would rise again on the third day to defeat Satan and sin and death. So that as Isaiah says, now our sin has been paid for. God kept his promise to come to be one of us as our Savior, to assure us of his forever comfort and peace. And you know what? That comfort didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. It happens for you and me today. The glory of the Lord is shown to us in his word to point us to Jesus, to know that we can trust him so that we can make a straight path in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives for him to come and to sit with us and to live with us and forgive us and comfort us. Emmanuel, God with us, continues today. 
Do we get everything we want? As we are reminded in our text, life continues to be so fragile and so frail. Here in our text it says, All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Just like now our lawns are looking brown as we head into winter, just as those nice flowers you had only weeks ago are now a distant memory, so life is so short and fading and uncertain. And this truth of the fragility of life reminds us that everything that we do with our own strength and our power ultimately will fade away into nothing. And yet, as the Lord promises here, our God is a God of comfort. The word and the promises of our God stand forever. And so it is certain we can trust him. We can be comforted by the eternal presence of Christ our Savior. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Well, there's one more truth that we see about comfort in our text for today that we cannot ignore. Isaiah says to the people of God, Go up on a high mountain. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid and say, Here is your God. Look how the sovereign Lord comes with power. In other words, we are not just to keep God's comfort to ourselves. God calls us to share the comfort that He has first given to us. The Apostle Paul echoes this in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians where he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There it is. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have first received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. I love that, that, that word picture, overflowing comfort. We know that our sins are forgiven and that through Christ we have eternal life. And now we have a purpose. We are called to overflow with comfort and encouragement to others. These are dark days. The hoopla of the holidays can be one of the most discouraging times of the year for a lot of people. And then when you add the COVID pandemic and the isolation that is being called for, so many people are discouraged. Remember the old cowboy song, Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of discouraging words lately. And there are so many cloudy days. What a mess we seem to be living in right now. And yet in the middle of the mess, Jesus Christ breaks into our lives with the power of his word. And he assures us of his love and his mercy and his comfort. And he reminds us that by his grace, he's going to work things out for our good. Listen to the the comforting picture given to us in the last words of our text for today. It says, He that is God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. God does that for us, doesn't he? He gathers us and he carries us close to his heart. And as we experience that tender love of our good shepherd, God then calls us then to share that comfort, to let it overflow. We become the hands and the arms of the Lord to comfort others. We also need to know that 
that comfort that we share just doesn't depend on you and me and our own strength. In fact, it's interesting, the New Testament word for comfort or one who comforts, parakletos, is the same word that Jesus uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, he says, The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. Friends, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit given to us at our baptism to renew us and comfort us and assure us that we are His people. We need the Comforter to then empower us to be able to overflow and to share that comfort and encouragement with others. Jean Nidecht was a homemaker in 1961 who was told by her doctor that for her own health's sake, she needed to lose weight. She tried everything, fad diets, drugs, hypnosis, nothing seemed to work. And so her doctor sent her to the New York City Department of Health, where at a clinic she was prescribed a special diet by Dr. Norman Joliffe. Well, two months later, and so discouraged by the 50-plus pounds that she could not lose, she invited six friends to her home to share the diet and to comfort one another and encourage one another. Well, by the next year, Jean had lost more than 70 pounds, and with the encouragement of her friends, she kept the weight off for the rest of her life. And so she formed a company called Weight Watchers. Today, almost 60, 60 years later, International Weight Watchers has helped millions of people in more than 25 different countries. Now, why was NIDECT able to help so many people with their weight control? To answer that, she would tell a story. When she was a teenager, she used to walk through a park where she saw parents engrossed in their own conversations with one another, while their toddlers just sat there still in the swing with no one to push them. I'd just give them a little help, said Nidek. And you know what happens when you push a kid on a swing? Pretty soon that little one is, is pumping and doing it themselves. And then she says, that's my role in life. I'm just here to give a little push to others. How about a little comfort to others? Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. And so may the Lord continue to comfort you and encourage you with His presence and His tender love so that then you can overflow in comfort to others. Amen.